The following program contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Two one two, one two one two. The Get Off My Lawn podcast is back in full effect. This is your boy Jay, aka JC, aka Jay Caesar, aka Law T, aka Hip Hop Taliban. And that's where you can find me on Twitter at Hip Hop Taliban. And I'm joined from the East Coast by my two mellows, my two men. East Coast Dre, where you at? Ew. What's up? <laughs> at Andre Cole. Everywhere. Twitter. Instagram. That's well, right. Mostly, mostly Twitter, I guess. I don't know. Everywhere. Kind of on social, I'm kind of like on social media. I'm slow on social media right now. I had to, go, I had to get back in there. I'm, just, I'm mostly reading and lurking right now. Okay. Well, hey. <laughs> but I know who is, who is active on... Uh, Social media, mother man, down south, Dr. Belk, where you at? Peace, peace. I'm always Brooklyn in my heart, but down I'm, right now I'm down in uh, Carolina, repping in the Carolinas. So North CAC, South CAC, I'm on the border. Okay. Yes, you can find me on the Twitter at ABJRPHD. Yeah. Though if you're trying to troll me with white supremacy, then you can miss me with that. That happens. <laughs> Damn. You get that? Oh yeah, man! I'm a black man with a whole bunch of degrees after his name that talks about race and policy. So, you know, folks come out the woodwork to find me every so often, and they learn my block hand is strong. Okay. Mm. Wow. It's too well, much going on in the society to be playing with trolls online. So I don't feed them; I delete them, block them. So is this? Because I know, uh, obviously, you have a lot of students, and your students are 
right in the uh, oh, look now I got things ringing and buzzing and blinging let me turn this we'll do it live down. I thought that was a remix nah I'm not in your <laughs> I'm not in your class adjust my bass and treble make my stuff sound clear 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 although the person who's calling would probably prefer that I uh, patched her in so she could be a part of this discussion but uh, you know my technological no sophistication isn't up to par, so uh, <laughs> that'll have to happen at a later date. But what I was asking is, so your students, you know, obviously they're in that uh, that generation that's all over social media. So yeah, they grew up is, online. So is the interaction you have is it just from the general public of assholes, or is it from people within like sort of that? My Twitter account is open to the public. Okay. You know, my Twitter account is open to the public, so anyone can interact with me if they choose. And most of the time, you know, I don't shut people down for disagreeing with me about things and not seeing the world the way that I do. Because people are entitled to think what they think, excuse me, even when they're wrong. (laughs) But I don't have patience for people whose viewpoints clearly are crouched in white supremacy and black and brown inferiority, homo antagonism, sexism. You know, I don't tolerate those people kindly. So today I made a tweet about um, about higher ed. I'm reading a book to review and the author is making all of these points about how faculty of color sometimes get bamboozled in the academy because people keep moving the goalposts, right? You, you're supposed to do certain things to get promoted but then they also expect you to fix their diversity problem, but then don't give you credit for that hard work when it comes time for your promotion and evaluation. Mm. And so I made a tweet about that. And then some dude writing under the, the name uh, R.I.P. Bob Whitaker, and Bob Whitaker was a white supremacist writer, came at me and he said, white countries finally need to do just what non-white countries do, totally reject diversity. And so I saw that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I went through the dude's timeline and I could just see all of this vitriol in his timeline. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to gain anything by interacting with you because that's what you want is you're sitting in your grandma's basement or in your own attic. Yeah. So I just blocked dude like, yo, peace. Man. Yeah, so yeah. that happens every so often, man. It's not frequent, but it does happen every so often. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not on there like that. My Twitter account is predominantly a joke people send me messages but usually it's uh related to things in the podcast so it's just hip-hop discussions other than that um yeah i never really come across too much heat now on uh you know there's been some articles i've written that uh are posted at the liberator where you can also, by the way, find back episodes of the Get Off My Lawn podcast. That's The Liberator, T-H-A-L-I-B-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. Ding, ding. <laughs> I'm still getting heat on this article I wrote about Buffalo Wild Wings out here in the Crenshaw District had uh, what I called the black tax. And it's only predominant, the only Buffalo Wild Wings in L.A., that's predominantly patronized by a black clientele and 
they just had an automatic gratuity they slapped on to the bill regardless of the size of your party if you were one if you were nine they just slapped it on and i understand larger parties but this was ridiculous so i did this whole research thing and went to all the other surrounding buffalo wild wings in non-predominantly black areas ordered the exact same thing and they treated you like an actual human being who was going to a restaurant who was going to leave a tip commensurate with the service you received and after i gathered all that information went back and hit up buffalo wild wings with this article and somehow it got picked up you know social media here and there and they did change the policy um but in the meantime i left the comments up there's all kinds of comments about you know niggers get real serious about their chicken so Ooh, uh, i mean it was meanwhile just, um yeah. like we the only people that like chicken and watermelon <laughs> Wow. So, Just Google some images of fried chicken and look at it. It's delicious. <laughs> Chappelle was right. So I, just, so I just left it up there. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really get too much of that. What about you, Dre? I mean, I can't see anybody getting mad at you because you're, I mean, at least on Instagram, you, you know, you just put up fantastic aspirational imagery. <laughs> Well, no, on, on Twitter, mostly what I do is I, I retweet a lot of people, um, especially nowadays. It's like all this political commentary. But um, the white supremacist came after me when I tweeted about Oprah. Oprah tweeted or made a comment about when um, Donald Trump met with, with President Obama after he won the election. And Oprah tweeted something like, oh, this is great. Hope lives, something like that. Right. And so I tweeted, I was like, you know, I tweeted something about her being on a normalization and shit. And that tweet ended up in an article on a Hollywood reporter. What? Wow. Right. So it ended up on a Hollywood reporter. And I was I was in my car one day on set on a like I, it was like a Friday when I tweeted that thing. And I was in my car on a Saturday. And my notification just started blowing up and I was like, what is going on? And so I, so I kind of checked it real quick and I kind of saw people kind of coming at me like sideways. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, maybe some Oprah fan or something. And I actually, I think I thought it was someplace else. And then when I kind of like backtracked and found it, and then all of a sudden all these white supremacists were like, oh, you know, get over it, Hillary lost. And it was like, it was just, it was like crazy. And I was just like blocking people. Like, I mean, blocking people left and right for like, I think that whole Saturday I was just like blocking all day long because it was like you know because once once it went on a Hollywood reporter you know it's that's national that's mm-hmm. everywhere so yeah. it was just crazy so you know I mean that 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 actually made me learn to be careful what I hashtag on certain on certain topics because mm-hmm. I know when to hashtag a certain or at a certain person um, yeah. but I mean th- but the fact that a Hollywood reporter kind of grabbed it I was just like oh great here we go but you know and I, you know, I don't, now, okay, I, it's just, it's quick. It's, as soon as somebody comes at me, I just block them. I said something the other day, and somebody came at me, and I just, you know, this is block. This is quick, like whatever. I don't want to hear your nonsense. <clears throat> I, I, I know what you're about. Wow. So. See, and you, you, I mean, you guys are. It's different because you guys are out there with your your real names, your government, mm-hmm. right, right out there. Right. So, you know, you, I guess you do have to take into consideration how that could impact your personal, professional lives. 
Um, well, it's like this. I mean, my employer follows me on Twitter. You know, my employer follows me on Twitter. There are people at my job that follow me on Twitter. But at the same time, you know, I have a signature on my work email and on my Twitter account making Benjamin Ryan Tillman roll over in his grave since 2003. Ben Tillman was an unreconstructed white supremacist who founded my university. Oh. And 03 is when I started working here. And I take great personal pleasure in making him roll over in his grave every day for doing what I do here. <laughs> he said so my people un- know that I have no chills. He said an unreconstructed. <laughs> unreconstructed. I like That's that. Funny. <laughs> I'm gonna be using right. that. So, you know, my thing is, man, one of my one of my good friends in grad school said to me a long time ago, if you choke on a chicken bone, you died young anyway, having never done what you wanted to do. And so on a day like the day when we're bigging up Juneteenth, you know, our ancestors wanted to make it possible for us to live and act with one mind. And that's what I do no matter where I am. Um, you know, I try to be respectful of people because I am interacting with the general public and there are certain conversations you want to go forward, whether it's about hip hop, culture, politics, sports, uh, but most especially about things that matter. So if it's possible to have a dialogue, then I'll do that with the people. Um, you know, that's what being a public intellectual is supposed to be about, right? But yeah. you can only have those conversations with people who are interested in talking, whether that's on or offline. I did a That's forum right. the other day in in the place where I live, and it was at the public library, and they were doing this really good discussion about fake news and how to identify it and why it's so troublesome. And they brought in um, a couple of people from area newspapers, from a TV station, and then me as the, the political scientist. And after my opening remarks, man, this one dude got real mad and he stood up and was like, I don't have to take your crap. All you're doing is bashing the president. And he's raising his voice. And I'm like, that's fine. Um, you can get up and tell your story walking as long as you walk the other way. <laughs> Damn. And I was respectful, right? I'm like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm telling you the truth as I see it. Oh, I don't have to take this. I can leave. I was like, well, good day. Then we'll have a productive conversation without you. Mm-hmm. And he looked at you and said, well, that brother convinced 275, so I'm going to keep on walking. Right. Well, I'm not at 275 <laughs> yet. Might be in the 250s, but... You know, I gotta put that rage somewhere because hitting people is frowned upon. You'll you'll hit two seventy five. Just turn up your Migos and Gucci Mane. There you go. There you go. On all casting, B. Now on Twitter or and or Instagram, I got blocked by um, Stone Cold Steve Austin because what? I called I called them out because what he oh haha he <laughs> refers to. <laughs> He referred to black people as colored. Yeah, I remember. And I'm that. like, the fuck? Oh, yeah. Colored? But I guess this all leads us back to today. Um, and first thing before I get to that is I know it's been a few months uh, since we've dropped a podcast, but um, still, nobody's paying any of us to do this. And. <clears throat> I work in public education and the school year just ended. We started summer session, but the school year just ended. So um, now my time is a little more uh, flexible. And hooking up with these two brothers is uh, between their work and family lives is, you know, something to defeat in itself. But uh, have no fear. The battle log is 
coming. There's just some details that need to be worked out. But the reason why I had to call the crew together and get this episode going is because of the issue that was raised a couple of weeks ago when uh, Bill Maher on his show made what he thought was a joke um, and he soon found out that uh, that really wasn't the case so uh after that, there was a lot of fallout, a lot of discussion. Then the following week, which is where the podcast comes in, is one of his guests was Ice Cube. And the argument that Ice Cube was making against what Bill Maher said, well, it just struck me as... Mm, well, we'll get into what I think about it. But anyway, Ice Cube being a pioneering hip-hop figure, uh, I think it sort of opened the door to a broader discussion that as grown, responsible people, especially black men who grew up on hip-hop, came up on hip-hop, as adults, we don't, we obviously don't co-sign on all the messages, even all the messages in the music that we grew up in, the classics. But, you know, there is a question to be asked about what exactly, where do we draw the line, should we draw the line, etc., etc. So, for anyone who doesn't have HBO or isn't on social media or just could care less, uh, I'm going to play the Bill Maher clip and then after that I'm going to figure out what the hell kind of background music I'm playing and then we'll get into the broader discussion so let me bring this down and here we go human history if you can't tell 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 year olds apart because that's new right, <laughs> right. I mean, that, yeah right adolescence is a gift. Halloween used to be a kid thing it's not anymore not out here Okay. <laughs> no, adults dress up for Halloween. They don't do that in Nebraska? It's frowned upon. Yeah, we don't do that quite as much. But Wow. I've got to get to Nebraska more. I... <laughs> You're welcome. We'd love to have you work in the fields with us. Work in the fields? That's part of that. That's... <laughs> Senator, I'm a house nigger. No, it's, it's a joke. You're still working in the fields out there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, we want our kids to suffer. <laughs> and that's what it was. So, obviously, uh, the two of you have heard that. So, what are your just general thoughts? when you Either when you heard it and after thinking about it, or maybe your thoughts are the same. So, what were you thinking? Me. Oh, right. I was I was going I was going to the professor first. I, I think I think he he should go first. All right. When people show you who they are, believe them. We've seen this from Bill Maher before, right? You can go back twenty years with his network television show, politically incorrect, and see the same sort of thing, right? And there's a certain type of white person that exists 
in our society that think because of their cultural or actual proximity to people of color, they have special license or permission, a pass, if you would, to say and do certain things. And this is a man who's been quite public with wanting to take black women to bed, right? And I don't know if that has him souped up or feeling some type of way, but he clearly <laughs> thinks that he can cross these lines. And what he's been is an habitual line stepper. <laughs> and so people will say, oh, well, he can't be racist because he's a libertarian or he skews liberal. And I'm like, well, liberals are can be bigoted too. And then beyond it, oh, well, well, he sleeps with black women. He dates black women. He's been in love with black women. He can't be racist. And I'm like, there have been a lot of white men who have taken black men, black women, black boys to bed and have been racist to their core. That's part of the American tradition. So those things don't somehow inoculate him against charges of bigotry. And if anything, his is more insidious because people will give it a pass because they like some of his politics. So he's done this going back to politically incorrect. And then he tried to be the arbiter of official blackness, right? Like when he came after Wayne Brady for somehow not being black just because of the way that Wayne Brady presents his masculinity and his blackness, right? There are 40 something million black people in this country, which means there are 40 something million ways to be black. And Bill Maher is certainly not in any position to tell us what is or is not official blackness. But when you're souped and you have lame people around you that let you be souped, you think you can do this. And so then he really came back into it with this utterance on his new HBO show. And, you know, Ice Cube called himself checking him, but even the check was weak. So, Bill Maher, you whack. And you've been whack for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I agree. I haven't messed with Bill Maher in a while. I haven't, I haven't, I have an issue with Bill. I've had an issue with Bill Maher for, for quite a long time. And I wasn't surprised when he said it. Um, and him saying what he said, it felt like somebody trying to tap into the comedy writing of a Chappelle or a Chris Rock. I felt like he was trying to be somebody he's not. And because you there was a pause. If you watch, if you watch, you watch the clip, there's a pause where you can see him thinking, what's a great comedy comeback? Now, that comedy comeback would have been great for Chappelle or Chris Rock. But when it comes to Bill Maher, first of all, he doesn't know our history. He doesn't feel our history. And he feels, like you said, his proximity makes him closer to us. And he doesn't have he doesn't have that pass. And, I, and we keep saying this and that people aren't getting it. There are no nigger passes. Nobody's getting a nigger pass. All right. You don't. And and I've always want to know why people want to say that word. Yeah, if this I is your greatest know, racial concern in 2017. You are paying attention to the wrong things. Exactly. I mean, and it's like it's like people say, "Well, why can't I say it?" I'm like, "Why do you want to say it?" Like, right. I don't want to call a Jewish person a slang word or you know a derogatory term. I don't want to call an Italian person a derogatory term. So why do you feel the need to say? that word but you know a white person and it's very interesting that when you get to like a bill maher who has this you know he has his platform he's donated money to you know the president obama super PACs, and he's done all of this stuff and he feels like he's paid for his past but there are no like i don't care what you do i don't care what level you get to there are no passes and he hasn't i mean i still don't think he understands it 
I think he he apologized, but I don't think he gets that totally in his soul that it's a thing that we deal with daily in our history. It's something that we have to live with. And the fact that we may use it, I know we're going to get into this, the fact that we may use it doesn't give him the right to use it either. Yeah, you... Uh, need, this is one of those things we need to stop pretending that context doesn't matter, right? right? And there are certain issues where any effort to have a nuanced conversation gets lost because it's such an emotionally charged issue. And this is certainly one of them, right? Who can and cannot right. say it? In an ideal wor world, the world would be dead, but it's not. So we have to grapple with what that means. But it's completely naive suggested it being used in the way that he used it is somehow on the same level as Chappelle or right. Chris Rock or anyone else it's not right. yeah I mean see Dre you hit my point right on the head which is why would you want to say it right I just like I understand the question. Like, I, well, you say it. Why can't I say it? I understand the question. But like you said, why do you want to say it? Why would you say it? Like, And that's a question that somebody in middle school might have. You're a grown man, <laughs> Bill. Yeah. But I mean, he didn't, or, he didn't ask it. And that's the thing. Right. It's like, in my opinion, so when I heard it, if I look at it, is a joke like the joke itself the response and the joke right i thought the joke was funny but knowing the the full context of you know the history of the word and the weight it carries and who was saying it and what it was like clear there's gonna be a fallout and that's the right. thing it's like you can say it if you want to but you can't be shocked when you get flamed up on social media and everywhere else. And when Dude, you have man, to when this happened, this was a, Yeah, when this happened, this was like early June, right? So I tweeted on June 2nd. Mm -hmm. Guess Bill Maher was smoking that cone Fifi before he dropped that <laughs> M-bomb, you know. Yeah. Get the H out of here with that BS. And that tweet made like 21,000 impressions. Like that was my biggest tweet since tweeting about Beyonce at the Super Bowl <laughs> when they came out wow. in deliberate guerrilla fashion, right? Yeah. So, you know, this dude, this dude was doing it for the dramatic effect, right? He's he's well-versed in understanding how to generate buzz, and that's what he did. Right. And he behaved in much the same way many white folk behave when they make these racial transgressions, right? I have my black friends come out, and they say that I'm not racist, just because I made that one joke about watermelon tap dancing and going back to Africa. You know, like my yeah. man Jay Smooth said on Ill Doctrine, and then everything's okay and it's all forgotten. Like Don Imus is working again. Yeah. But you know, after what he said about <clears throat> the women's basketball team at Rutgers, he's still working. Right. And there are a lot of other people who have made rather racially charged things about black folk or Latinos and Latinas, and they're still working. Right. Paul um, did that. So it doesn't seem like a lot of people suffer the consequences. Well, there's that too, right? Right. But when you, okay, so when you bring that up, like, for example, like Don Imus, what he said, and 
Remember Michael Richards, Kramer from Seinfeld? Yeah, when man. He just, right. he just went nuts. He snapped. Like, to me, again, if we're talking about context, like, the Bill Maher thing was a joke. And again, if I were to read a transcript on paper, I might think, that's funny. But then, knowing who said it and seeing who said it, I'm like, oh, man, come on. Right. The Michael Richards thing was clearly, that was hate. I mean, just from the deepest, darkest part of his white soul, that was just some hate. <laughs> he, was, he was unhinged. Yeah. And the reason that got handled so quickly, he did that right before they were releasing, like, the box set of the Seinfeld <laughs> show on DVD, DVD. Right. Yeah. And... Jerry Seinfeld went on, I think, Letterman. Yep. And they had to clean that up very quickly because Michael Richards was about to mess up with the money. Yeah. And they weren't trying to have that money messed up. But I mean, but he was he was unhinged. And then if you talk about like Don Imus, again, what he's saying, you know, clearly you can tell like that's part of his belief system. Right. And he was speaking straight from the heart. The Bill Maher thing, again, I saw it as a joke. I thought the joke in and of itself was funny, but then you can't use that language as a privileged, rich white man and think, I'm going to just slide by and say it. Well, for your listeners, when Don Imus did that, it was 2007. It was after the Women's National Championship game between Tennessee and Rutgers. And there's also like some, some colorism stuff going on here, right? Because the most prominent player on the Tennessee team was a light-skinned black woman, Candace Parker, and the most prominent player on the Rutgers team, a dark-skinned black woman, Essence Carson. And they said about the Rutgers team, yeah, those some hardcore hoes, nappy-headed hoes. They got tattoos and look like thugs. And there was a lot going on there, right? There was a racist critique. There was a sexist critique. There was an implicit or not-so-implicit critique of their sexuality. A lot going on, but he was using these cold words and you know thinly veiled cold words right yeah. mar jumped all the way in it with the n-word he jumped all the way in it yeah but he the thing that i think took some of the steam off it is that rather than directing it at black women or black black men or black children he was directing it at himself and that was one of the ways that people kind of cracked the door for him to get a pass well, he wasn't using this against someone. He was using it against himself. And I'm like, doesn't make it any better. Yeah. He still right. did what he did. And, you know, Imus blamed hip hop. You know, at the time, Don Imus was like 70 years old. He said he had learned it from, from hip hop music. And right. I'm like, so right. I'm to believe that you listen to Chameleonaire on your way <laughs> to the studio to do your show. Right. Right. You know, so Imus, he didn't he didn't go that way. But it's interesting that he brought hip hop in to try to clean it up. Because yeah. by bringing in Cube, you're bringing in hip-hop. Yeah, so that was the thing. I don't know, you know, I don't know what was scheduled at what point, because I know he had uh, Michael Eric Dyson on earlier in the show, and they discussed it, and he gave his uh, critique. And then he had another sister on the panel, I forget her name, but she was on the main panel, and she also gave her critique. But then Ice Cube was a special guest, and I guess allegedly he's promoting the re-release of Death Certificate, which uh, is the 25th anniversary. But that was the 25th anniversary was last October. So why 
he'd be showing up in June just so happens to be the week after Bill Maher says what he says I figured all right he's trying to bring it in and just figure he'll get all the uh the black criticism out of the way but (laughs) Ice Cube see I had a problem with Ice Cube and his take which I'm going to play now as I wonder what's going on with this background music and some (laughs) kind of blend of they took Elvis songs and then Jay-Z songs and did a mashup and I can't rock with no Elvis so that's so not gangster it's 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 gonna be like my man Riley Freeman that's so not gangster some of the some of the songs are pretty good until they let the Elvis hook come in and then I've got to shut it down so shut it down shut it shut it down so let me see I've got the ice cube uh response here so I'm gonna play that and then uh kind of get into the discussion because there is a question um that you know fans of hip-hop of a certain age really need to uh not that we haven't before today but need to think about all right so here's ice cubes uh his reply to bill maher a week after the previously played joke i just want to know two questions what made you think that it was cool to say that you know i i just that's ex- one question i just explained it, it, it there was no thought put into it obviously i was telling dr dyson comedians they react and it was wrong and i apologized and you know the, i more than that i can't do i accept your apology but i still think we need to get to the root of the psyche because I think it's a lot of guys out there who cross the line because they a little too familiar or they think they too familiar or it's guys that you know they might have a black girlfriend or two that made them some Kool-Aid every now and then and they think they can cross the line and they can't you know it's a word that has been used against us it's like a knife man and you can use it as a weapon or you can use it as a tool. It's been used as a weapon against us by white people. And we're not gonna let that happen again by nobody because it's not cool. Now, I know you heard it's in the the lexicon, everybody talking, but that's our word now. That's our word now. And you can't have it back. I know they're trying to get it back. This guy, and I'm not talking about you, Bill. I'm not talking about you, Bill. But I'm talking about guys who cross the line every day because they got some black homies. They got some friends. They think it's cool. And it's not cool because when I hear my homies say it, it don't feel like venom. When I hear a white person say it, it feel like that knife stabbing me, even if they don't mean it. So, you know, I like your show, and it's a great show. And I just don't know sometimes, is this a political show, or is it a show about jokes? And sometimes, it's sometimes oh. the jokes, I know I understand the, the format, and, you know, you got to say it's a comedian show, but this, to me, is a political show. 
And I think you just have to uh, not step on some of the political messages that you're saying with a joke because some things just ain't funny, you know what I mean? Some This is real right here I, I, that we're going through. And I'm, I'm not trying to get on your case, Bill. I'm telling you, I like your show, I like you. But I think this is a teachable moment, not just to you, but to the people that's watching right now. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm but not I, trying I think to... the people watching right now are, are saying that point has been made. Not by me. Okay. <laughs> But you, but you made it. I, mean, I made it. I made it. I'm done. And we can laugh now. We can tell jokes. Okay. And that was <clears throat> Ice Cube's response. And again, I'll you guys, you you give me your your uh, takes and impressions on Ice Cube's uh, statement. Well, well, first, I want to say that, I mean, it's it's evident that Bill Maher didn't like to be uncomfortable. And he didn't like to be chastised by getting another black person on on his show. So he he kind of felt like, oh, we're beating a dead horse when if you have Ice Cube on your show and you have Michael Eric Dyson and you have the young lady. I, I know I think her first name is Simone. I'm sorry. I can't remember her last name. Right. And they're all they're all gonna talk to you about this. And and just because you apologize doesn't mean that it goes away. So the fact that he kind of like was trying to brush and push Ice Cube not to say what he was gonna say, I'm I'm happy that Ice Cube said what he was going to say and continued to say what he wanted to say. Whether I agree with it, I don't because the whole it's our word now thing, I I don't I'm I'm of the I'm of the belief that it's not our word. And no matter how many times we try to say, oh, if we know it's a term of endearment or we whatever you say, whatever your idea of it is, it still has a very harsh stabbing, like he said, a stabbing feel, whether a black person or a white person says it. And if you lose it, especially as a black person, if you use it, and usually when I use the word, I use it in a negative way. Like it's 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 a neg. I'm saying if I say those niggas, I mean I mean it in a negative way. Right. Like it's a negative. Like so it's, it's just like you call somebody a dirty rat bastard or whatever. I'm using it in that way. Right. Um. So I don't ever believe. I still don't believe that it's it's a word that we've taken and we we can flip it or because it's a part of. It started out. It was created in such a hateful, disgusting, oppressive way. And it's not that long ago that it was used. What was it? 40 years? 40 years ago? People were 40, 50 years ago? It was still the most hateful way that especially people in the, especially people in the South use it to describe us. So I, I don't necessarily agree with everything cube said but i'm happy that he said what he wanted to say to bill and didn't let bill kind of brush it under the rug oh where do i begin <laughs> all right so first off on um, point of information for the good people the sister is simone sanders thank you there we go thank you. and she worked for the bernie campaign during the 2016 presidential race and so that was her role um second uh, so what job rule wasn't available 
<laughs> where is Ja? You know, where is, you know, I'm like Chappelle, like, where, where, we need Ja Rule. Right, ja Rule wasn't ja. available. I guess he was hemmed up in the whole fire festival fiasco. <laughs> um, and then, who who made Ice Cube our Okonkwo and sent him as an emissary to represent the village? Mm. <laughs> you know, when, when he sat up there and said, well, you know, I accept your apology. I'm like, well, you did, but the, the black nation, the black delegation is still looking at him sideways. Yeah. So he didn't have that power to go there and accept his apology on behalf of all of us when we weren't enabling Bill Maher to begin with, right? Right. Um, then I'm like, Cube, is it a knife or a snake? <laughs> you know, there are all kind of mixed metaphors in there. You know, as an intellectual, that always bothers me. But the thing, <laughs> that, the thing that really comes down to is what Black Cloud said. It's radioactive. Yeah. It's radioactive, man. Radioactive waste is alive for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, right? You know the word is bad and enjoys a special categorization if the other slurs are things that people can say or write, but you have to refer to this one as the N-word. Right. Mm. And that word has always been weaponized. Now, there are some within our community and especially within the hip hop community that have tried to flip it and bounce it and do other things with it, right? Um, and even those are sometimes misguided efforts. And as far as its usage, um, when you look at groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center that track hate crimes, right. this is something that has resurged, right? You yep. know, there was video of the guy in Chicago that got into an altercation with people at a coffee shop and started hurling off N-bombs and everything else at people, right? Like he was trying to elicit a violent physical response from the person that he was verbally assaulting. And so, you know, it hasn't gone away. And in this current political moment, with all the nasty rhetoric, it sort of enjoyed a resurgence. The NAACP years ago tried to have a funeral for the N-word and they had a casket and they had pallbearers and everything. And it jumped out like Swizz Beats, like, surprise, it's me, Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't kill it, man. You can't kill it. It's like, that's funny. It's 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 remained active. It's remained active. And so I think what we have to do is a better job of learning it to this rising generation. And part of the reason they're ignorant is because we don't value teaching this history. Um, you know, I teach African-American studies and political science. And one of the things that I tell students when they on the first day of my African-American studies class is that if you look at American history and you start with the British colonial enterprise, in Jamestown in 1607, and you go to 2017, right? You you take a slice, 1965 to 2017, that 50 year period represents 10% of American history. So the civil rights movement, the black power movement, recent American history, and that's not required learning across the states. So these kids are ignorant and some of them aggressively so, so they don't even have the tools to have these conversations. right? And, you know, they keep fooling around with Bill Maher. They're not going to run up on someone like me that might, if I'm feeling good, try to sit down with them and learn them something. They just won't get chin checked by that brother that's not trying to hear it. Yep. And I'd hate for that to happen, but I didn't do that. You did that. Yeah. But here's my thing. And with Ice Cube, who the fuck does he think <laughs> he is? Are you kidding me? You have got to be kidding me. He's what, the Michael Eric, what Michael Eric Dyson had to say, fine. What Sister Simone had to say, fine. 
Ice Cube, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Nobody, nobody has done more to popularize that word, especially among whites, than him. Single-handedly. And now he's going to have the unmitigated gall to sit up there and be the ambassador? Mm-hmm. That's right. Get the fuck out. I, 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 where do I begin with this jackass? <laughs> and mind you, mind you, I've written a 25,000-word piece at Greatest Hip Hop Album Ever, or GreatestHipHopAlbum.com, defending right. and arguing that Death Certificate is the greatest hip-hop album ever produced. And you can go to the website and read what I have to say. However, Ding. however, <laughs> Ice Cube? Really? Really? There were points in his career where he was using the word and it could be argued that he was using it in a context to make larger points to highlight and underscore certain socioeconomic conditions and problems early on. Then after death certificate, he was just saying shit, playing a character using the word very loosely, very liberally, very ignorantly. And because of his status and stature in the hip hop community, because of his legacy, because of his catalog, because of his moving into sort of mainstream popular culture, but maintaining this persona of the gangster. Now, I can't go, I cannot walk from here two blocks up to the corner store without hearing the word multiple times. And not always from young black kids. I hear Latinos saying it. I hear Asian kids saying it. And they're not saying it with the same uh, malicious, nefarious intent as a Don Imus or Michael Richards or whomever else. They're just saying it because, like Adolphus said, they're ignorant of the history. But it's it's become just a part of their lexicon, as Ice Cube said. And why? Because right. his dumb ass <laughs> just continued to pump it out there. <laughs> and even... Yeah, it's me- wild, man, because... No, go ahead. Like, I think that... I think that because we're guys of a certain age and from certain neighborhoods, right? You know, if I, I tell my students, if I go home tomorrow and I turn the corner on the Milford Street and I'm coming down the block... Or if I go to my aunt's old housing project, Cypress Hills, I'm not going to be greeted with, yo, peace, brother, what's good? You know, that's not how I'm (laughs) going to be greeted. Um, But when you talk about being out front and in public, right, that was a word that didn't follow me from the street into my house. Right. And it certainly didn't follow me into a classroom or into professional settings. If I'm using it in the classroom now as an educator, it's to make a point f- coming from a particular text, right? You know, that I try to be careful about language because language is a tool and it has to be used intelligently. 
what you're discussing or describing James is how it's gone from that to being taken mainstream and along the way us being desensitized to its corrosiveness it's just a word to them to them it means brother it means friend it means idiot it doesn't mean you know you can hang them from a tree but it'll never sign with me right yep you know the way those dudes did at the university of oklahoma when they had their little frat song yeah they that they don't get and you know if papa is not around to sit you down and have that conversation or granny's not around to have that conversation where are you going to get that knowledge because you're not going to get in the school system right and again you know my parents are old enough where you know they live jim crow you know my dad a native south carolinian my mom's a native virginian they lived jim crow yeah for a long time right yeah my dad's out of tennessee and it's and again ice cube is one of those transcendent rappers who crosses multiple uh time frames and periods in hip-hop so coming Mm -hmm. from the late 80s going through sort of this black consciousness era and then he transitioned real smooth right into this commercial bullshit (laughs) three two one and i come with the wicked yeah i don't know who because bill maher they have a a show that they do like a little bonus thing over time and right. it's on YouTube. So right. I listen to the podcast and so that overtime session is on the podcast. So in there there was a question Ice Cube about what happened to hip hop. And even worse than his explanation about niggas our word now and there ain't no venom in it. Fuck that. Then he's talking about, well, what happened is uh, there became an emphasis where um, substance was no longer valued in the music, and uh, you had artists who just decided to try and follow the money. Yeah, led by you. We remember we be clubbing, put your ass into it, you can do it. Are you kidding me? We remember West Side Connection. Not last night. People, people don't think we have receipts, but I mean it's the same way hip hop had this conversation at its points along the way yeah conspicuous consumption glorifying money and womanizing and having juice or props having a sauce that's always been a part of hip-hop right that braggadociousness as troublesome as it can be has always been a part of hip-hop um so that's nothing new the problem is range As older heads, we had access to a much broader range of hip hop. Now you have to work harder to find that music. And it's out there. You know, we were having a conversation before the podcast started about new hip hop. And there are people out there who are still making dope music, who are trying to use the platform to say something. And there are people who are making music that, you know, they just want to party. And that's cool. Um, The thing that I found sort of dumbfounding is that you have a, a bunch of heads right now who talk about drugs and it's not the begrudging, you know, Biggie, I'm just out here trying to make a little money to feed my daughter. It's, yeah, I'm high right now and I'm gonna make music about being high, making music. And so there's a level of idiocy that's there 
And the usage of this word is a part of it. And so what Cube is doing here is not taking full responsibility for the role that he played in helping to take this term mainstream. Um, and you can't walk that back. Um, it's, it's wild because I remember um, a conversation about Watch the Throne and Kanye wanted to have the N-word in the name of every song. And he wanted to make people say the word. And he thought that that was some type of revolutionary thing. And Jay wasn't with it. And this is someone who uses the word in his music. But he was like, yo, even that's going too far. Like, so he wanted the track to be called Ball So Hard, not, you know, niggas in Paris. Yeah. And there was some pushback on that. And and so even Jay in his core was like, yeah, that's not a good look. You know, it's bad enough that we're using the word the way that we're using it, but to do what you're trying to do is even worse. So there's a consciousness there at, at some level. Um, it's Q, some level. What are you doing now? It's some level. Because, I mean, Jay-Z, Jigga, my nigga. And oh, of course. I've heard the, I forget, it was a while back, there was a concert, and he'll say some shit like, okay, you can say it, uh, just this one time during the song and then the crowd you know full of white kids goes crazy my nigga yeah, so <laughs> but you're also talking about a dude now that's like what pushing 45 or north of 45 yeah north of 45 older than that yeah he's, yeah, he's like 40, 69 yeah. he's like 48 right yeah, yeah so he's pushing, pushing about, to be 48. about 47 48 he's about, to be about 47 so yeah. you know older man married father now and remember um i mean he wasn't he wasn't 17 the wasn't that long ago yeah 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 and it was certainly more recent than you know jigga my nigga yeah okay but, yeah. but it was still the song was still called niggas in paris and there was some white actress who said it and jay-z tried to give her a pass that was gwyneth paltrow yeah i think that was the gwyneth paltrow thing yeah but again oh, misguided she, right i think she tweeted it i think she tweeted that she liked the song and she she tweeted the the, the song title and that's hmm. what it was about. It was about the fact that she tweeted she tweeted that this is the song she's been listening to or whatever. And so he's kind of like, well, you're in re- reference to the song, she can refer to the song. And yeah. and all of this explaining is why this is a bankrupt enterprise. <laughs> right. right. When you have to do all these jitsus and combinations <laughs> to get to the point where you can make the move, maybe you shouldn't make the move, you know. Right. Why is this a good thing for you to do? Right. right. And I, the problem with people like Cube is that it, even though Cube was trying to check him on not having a pass, it looked like he had a pass because you forgave him. Yeah. You said you forgave him. But it's like, and I, and I, he, and I believe, I believe that Cube believes what he said. Though. I believe Cube believes that it's our word. Like, I think he really believes that. Yeah, because he's stupid. Because on his album, let's just take Death Certificate, for example. He calls, oh, damn. He calls Koreans chinks. He says, real Jeez. niggas ain't gay. Um, he goes into just a whole litany of just horrible, horrendous things that when you listen to the album, and I even write, you can't defend the things he's saying in the context of the album it comes across as he's portraying sort of the ignorance that right. we're referring to. And then there's a transition in which he 
gets this pseudo enlightenment and sort right. of changes the tone and tenor of the right. songs. But I mean, he's got Khalid Muhammad on there, and for those who don't know Khalid Muhammad, right? He makes Farrakhan look like Seinfeld. I mean, Khalid Muhammad. Did he look like Malcolm X? Had no, <laughs> had no chill. Yeah, he, he had zero chill. I mean, oh, we got to go the other way. It makes makes Malcolm X look like Wayne Brady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for Ice Cube, and then the thing, other thing that was curious is that when Death Certificate, they reissued it at some point between last year and when it came out in '91, and the word that they scrubbed from the song from the album wasn't nigga that was all over it it was Jew there were two oh. references to oh. Jew that were scrubbed and I'm, I'm wondering in this new version how it is so in No Vaseline when he says you let a Jew break up my crew they scratch that right on out and then there's another reference to it at some I other can point. tell you what it is yeah because I just put a bunch of death on my phone and true to the game comes on and I found myself rapping, and he says, "You want to be white or a Jew? Mm. Ask yourself who are they to be equal to." And I remember saying and saying, "Whoa, wait a minute! What the hell did he just say?" <laughs> like, like it was one of those like moments where you're like, "Whoa, wait!" Like that's, I mean, that and listening to that album, like there's a lot of like, you know, cringeworthy moments on that album, like yeah. now, uh-huh. and it's still it's still a great album, but it's a lot. I mean, and it was it was you know, what's that? How old is that? Twenty is twenty five years now? Yeah. It's 25 yep. years, you know, it's, you know, we, we live and we learn and we know we, we advance and, but wow. Yeah. There's a lot of cringeworthy moments on there. Like overall, the album does age well, but the, but the, the lyrics don't necessarily age well. Just like if you ever watched Eddie Murphy delirious yeah, or Eddie Murphy raw, both of those do not, did not age well at all. Like, yeah. I mean, Cube had a track called white cave bitch. There was a problem then. Um, right. Funny. It funny was a you problem say that. then. That oh. and again, that was after uh, death certificate, and in my opinion, he was just trying to be controversial. Like it didn't have the same uh, resonance the death certificate right. did. And I'm glad you brought that up because I pulled that uh, <laughs> right here. Give me a black goddess sister, I can't resist her. No stringy-haired, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale skin, buttermilk complexion. Grafted, recessive, depressive, ironing board, backside, straight up and straight down. No frills, no thrills, miss six o'clock. Subject to have the itch, mutinoid, caucasoid, white cave bitch. Now you want man bingo, big black and handsome. I should hold your devil up. 
think from that uh you basically get the gist and you're telling me this dude is gonna have the nerve to go on tv and be and talk about bill maher saying a joke well well uh, i mean that wasn't like a current song but when huh i mean that's not a current song it's not that a current song, song like 20 years old but, but you gotta well, own it yeah he definitely has to own it. one thing that that sticks out to me um about that in particular is that it starts out and i think that's that's Khalid muhammad right? yeah it is it is um or it was. but he says right. right it was right he starts out saying you know like kind of like a message to my sisters yeah but then he, all he talks about is white women like there was no upliftment of black sisters he didn't say anything about the beauty of being a black woman cube didn't make a song about the beauty of black women he made a song talking down on white women yeah so it was like i was, I was like wait what like and it's just you know listening to that again it's like wait what how do you start out talking about oh to my sisters and then automatically you just you're not talking to them anymore you just like that's supposed to make them feel good that you that you're you know disparaging other women like he's just playing a character like death certificate well, got him a certain level of notoriety because of all the for lack of a better term, all the prophecy with regard to the riots and the aftermath that it's like he just, when it was time to make a new album, this is what he did. Like it was like pretending his music making, his music making has followed a pattern or really set the pattern that his filmmaking followed. So you get Friday, you get next Friday. You get Friday after next, you get Barbershop, you get Beauty Shop. You know, he keeps going back to the well. Well, if it worked the first time, we'll take that same formula, put it in a different context, and he gives you the same product or pretty close to it across multiple projects. And he was certainly doing that with the music, right? And the first time it's innovative, it's interesting, but then you start to drift. And when you look at a song like that, like what purpose does that song serve? And how does it advance something? And then, you know, we're talking about the explosive, radioactive nature of the N-word. The B-word is one of the next in line in terms of being a corrosive epithet, right? Mm -hmm. Especially deployed in the way that he's deploying it. Right. None of this is going to engender respect for girls and women. And what's wild is that the research says that men become more sensitive to feminism and feminist outlooks when they have daughters. Right. And it's like, it shouldn't take you having a familial connection to a woman to see a woman as a human being having intrinsic worth and value, right? Right. That wasn't where he was then. I'm sure he wouldn't want someone, you know, chucking those words at his children. Um, so, you know, people get to a different place, but 
what's wild is that after all this time, right, you still sit up there with Bill Maher and you give him a pass because that's what's more troublesome. You know, we can break down music that he made 20, 25 years ago, but th that music is trapped in time. It reflects a moment in time. That's who he was at that point. Like I remember um, seeing an interview with Andre 3000 and he was like, yeah, you know, people want me to, um, you know, rap raps that I wrote when I was 17 years old and I'm not that guy anymore. Right. You know, but how much have you evolved if you could sit across from this dude and give him what he needed to get out of this situation? The Something funny, that the other guests weren't trying to give him. The, the funny thing about it is that I think Bill Maher didn't, I think Bill Maher felt chastised by Ice Cube. And we, on the other side, we feel like, and him saying, I accept your apology and and you know i'm not trying to get down on you bill saying that stuff we're like yo don't don't lighten up on him like don't make him feel comfortable don't let him feel comfortable on his show like let him feel the full heat of the kitchen that he's in right um and so i think i think bill maher kind of felt like still chastised but he got a little he got a little easier from from ice cube in the end um, and that's why, you know, I, and, I, and part of that's probably, you know, politically or, or just Ice Cube trying to give him, a, give him a pass on his own show. But, you know, when you see him saying, you know, I accept your apology, you know, I, I understand falling into the political side of it. But see, I, we, we, need, we need sometimes we need death certificate or America's most wanted Ice Cube to stand up. See, I don't even right. like the part where. He decided to give Bill Maher a pass um, on his own. That wasn't even the part that so much bothered me because I figured, all right, Bill Maher said what he said, and you're going to feel some heat, and you deserve the heat that you feel. Right. But when I look at Ice Cube, when I go to these schools and work with these kids, when I go walking up and down the street, and I just hear just nigga, 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 nigga. It's just... <laughs> the pronoun de jour and it's I Ice Cube is one of the chief primary suspects culprits in in creating this situation that annoys me to no end because again I look at it in context and it actually it bothered me more when um What's well, my man? I pulled it. Is it Larry, Larry Wilmore when he was at the White House yeah. Correspondence Dinner and called Barack Obama my nigga? Yeah. I, oh, I just palm to the face and just oh, like the the casual use of the word. When I use it, it's a lot like what Dre was saying. If I say oh them niggas over there, then I'm being <laughs> derogatory in a satirical kind of way it's purposeful i'm not like you you're purposely saying it in a way to yeah be negative about those people i don't say oh guess what my nigga dolphus was on npr oh shit right. and like no that's just not right. it and it, it like i said the bill maher thing he's gonna get the heat and white people 
I don't know why you don't get it. You can use the word if you want, but it's 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 toxic. It's explosive. It's you, you know. Don't it won't come end crying. well. <laughs> no, it will it not won't end well. Don't come it crying to us well. about your endorsements or you didn't mean it or you have black friends. Like just stop. Do it if you do it at your own peril. It's like any look at Die Hard three. <laughs> look at Die Hard three. Right. Man, Bruce Willis is standing out there naked with a sandwich board sign. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nope. that's that's what you're looking at. Yeah. And so you can do that, but this the introduction of this word is just a casual term with no. Uh, just thrown out there with no thought, no meaning, no history. Ice Cube no. is not holy, but he's one of the primary suspects responsible for this. And, I, and, I, and he, he has some weight to bear. Now, one thing I want to say real quick is that uh, uh, I don't want to take this too far. Right? If we weren't using the n-word within our own community privately or publicly that wouldn't have saved philando castile's life it wouldn't have saved sandra bland's life or rika boyd or the sister that was just shot in seattle or the young muslim sisters who were being accosted in portland right when those three white men came to their defense and two of them were murdered and one was almost killed right mm-hmm. you know it's like the the arguments about spanking and we talk about how to discipline children and the wife and i we don't hit our children and people even in our own immediate and intimate family question us on that and i look at them like if spankings were the answer spankings would rule the world that that that's not going to advance our interests right so it's not as if we somehow got this word out of our public and private discourse that we'd be so much further along as a people because right. you don't have to be called an n-word to be made to feel like one and we're still made to feel like that right in ways that are large and small and coming from formal and informal institutions so we have to be real careful about not pursuing this respectability thing thinking that it's going mm-hmm. to put us in a better place because it hasn't right but i don't know you that know because you almost sounded like bill cosby talking about you know three o'clock they get out of school and they're walking down the street and this n-word 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 but it's not about pursuing and that n-word respectability. Was people quailing. it's not about pursuing respectability because they're very clear like, so for example, with Bill Maher, it's not the word itself. It's who said it and the history behind who said it. And sort of, I get the, and the what that, what that brings up for people with long memories. And at the same time, like I said, when Larry Wilmore said it, it was just, it was just ridiculous. In my opinion, yeah, that was a weak moment. It was a weak moment, and it was it was lame. And I and I happen to like Larry Wilmore. I think um, he's a brilliant comedic mind. And if listeners go back and look into his background, 
he's been a part of some really important things with comedy over the course of his career. Like he's a straight up power player. But that was a weak moment. You know, it was a weak moment. Um, and, you know, it seemed like the kind of thing he did on a dare or a lark. And, you know, you had to keep it real. But, yeah, that was weak. And it's a lot like what I say with hip-hop. In hip-hop, lyrically, you can say what you want to say. Just make it clever. When, if you're going to use that word, just do it in some kind of clever way. Do it in a way that, you know, incites someone to think. Because I was listening, watched the uh, the two Dave Chappelle specials on Netflix, just out of curiosity. And in those two specials, that basically are an hour each, he says the word 56 times. So roughly every two minutes, he's saying the word. And in a couple instances, he's using them in um, in actual comedic stories, which illustrate a point. Uh, speaking on race, but in the majority, it's just uh, niggas are looking up at me. He just uses it just freely right. and loosely, and in a way that doesn't seem to uh, enhance anything he's saying. He just uses it in the same casual way we just hear out here. In the it's place. like saying brother or dude or bruh, right? Yeah, but. Like Andre mentioned, had had Dave Chappelle had that same comeback to the senator talking about come out and work in the fields, obviously there would have been a different historical context when he says it. Right. It's a different historical context of of a black man telling a white guy, I'm not I'm not going into your fields. Right. Right. Or 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 the understanding that, you know, you guys at one point had this separation of us being in the house and us being in the fields and that. But even with Bill Maher possibly having a knowledge of history, he doesn't have that brand on him. He doesn't understand that. Yeah. He doesn't understand the impact that that still that still has impact on our community today. That people don't want to acknowledge, but you know, so I, I would, I you know, I, I put all the blame on Bill Maher. I wouldn't spend all my time angry at Ice Cube, even though I'm, I don't want Ice Cube to say I accept your apology. I'd rather him just let that apology float in the air and let Bill Maher have to deal with it. But this is the thing, right? Like Bill Maher went on. Henry Louis Gates's junior show about finding your roots and his people are Irish and the Irish were not immediately granted entry into the white racial category when they came right. into this country right. the Irish were regarded as the Negroes of Europe along with the Italians and other southern and eastern Europeans or religious minorities like Catholics or Jewish folk their whiteness was something they had to work towards that they had to scrap towards now, mind you, many of those immigrants wanted because they could see pretty quickly that whiteness was a form of currency in the society. It was then and it is now. But the Irish gained that. But they were poorly treated. It just so happened that, as Derek Bell once famously said in, in his work, the black faces were the faces at the bottom of the well. And no matter how low those Irish people were, 
on the white racial hierarchy, they were still above us in the well. And they could look down on us. And it was something that gave them a sense of community, right? But there were people who were Irish or Italian or Southern or Eastern European that were discriminated against and caught hell in this country. Their hell was very much different from our own. And some of them could even subject us to hell. But if he talked to people in his own family, he could learn something about what they endured. The larger point is that he just doesn't give a crap. He doesn't give a crap. He wants to do what he wants to do. He wants to smoke weed, sex black women, and make money. But that's the smugness of being of the white of white privilege, though. That's the smugness of being of white privilege and being a liberal. Is that they can kind of walk this line of, you know, we're doing well for others. We care about others. You know, he has some very horrible. Uh, transphobic things he said and some horribly things some horrible things about Muslims that he said um, but you know he can walk this line of oh I'm a liberal and living his white privilege and you know liberals being oh they care about people of color and you know people with of different sexualities and what have you but at the end of the day if you don't actually care nor understand you're on the other side anyway. Yeah, and something else to add to this conversation of Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Y'all know he's Ivy League educated, right? Right. That means- he went to Cornell. He's not a dummy. Right. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't mean that if you go to an Ivy, you can't be bigoted because Bill O'Reilly went to Harvard, right? You know, there are plenty of jerks out there that went to right. Ivies and that attend exactly. Ivies. And they're still being produced by Ivies. But it's one thing to be an idiot. It's one thing to be a dumb idiot. And that he is not. Right. Has the capacity to do better if he cared to do better. He doesn't. And why? Because there are no real consequences. In some ways, as a people, we get pumped. You know, they don't scrub certain epithets from scripts or words. That you can go through a song and they've scrubbed out a bunch of things. But you'll hear that in Bob. Yeah, you know, we take those L's because there are no real consequences. Yeah, and see, my thing you know. is, again, like Bill Maher. The only reason Ivan raised this is because of the Ice Cube um, aspect of it, and it just yeah, the hip hop tie-ins are clear. Right. Yeah, people always blame hip hop when stuff like this happens. Yeah, but he showed up and defended <laughs> some shit and made an ass of himself <laughs> as he stood there <laughs> and basked in the hypocrisy of his career and gave this dude a pass. And my thing was, it caused me to sort of go back and look in terms of hip-hop and try to pull out some uh, examples of when I say, just use it in a clever way. Use it in a way to make me think. So, I've pulled out a couple of tracks here. Just Please tell me about the queue up most deaf Mr. Nigga. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what we got. Say, 
turn their hair around, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, he got the speakers in the trunk with the bass on crunk. Who be riding up in the high rise elevator? Other tenants will be praying he ain't the new neighbor, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, they try to play him like the chump, cause he got what they want. He under 30 years old, but already he's a pro designer. Trials are slung low, cause his pockets stay swole. Can afford to get up and be anywhere he go. VIP at the club, backstage at the show. The best crib, the best clothes, hottest whips on the road, neck and wrist on froze. Checks with O's, O, 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 O's. Played all across the globe, watch, got three time zones. Keep the digital phone up to his dome, to assistance. Two bank accounts, two homes, one problem. Even with the O's on his check, the poor poor stop him and show no respect. They're a problem of a Damn straight is called race to motivate the J to give chase. Say they want you successful, but that ain't the case. You live in large, your skin is dark, they flashing light in your face. Now, who is the cat dining out on the town? Major D, wanna take a whole year to sit him down, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, he got the sneakers in the trunk. With the face on crunk. Now, who is the cat at a money by your ears? When the tourists will be asking them, Do you work here, Mr. Nigga? Nigga, 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 nigga. Yo, the abstract with the mighty most deaf. White folks got a bump on the cross beneath their breath. But they'll say it out loud again when they get with their close associates and friends. You know, sneak it in with their friends at the job, happy hour at the bar while the song is in their car. And even if it's never said and lips stay sealed, their actions reveal how their hearts really feel. Like, Late night, I'm on a first-class flight. The only brother in sight, the flight attendant catch fright. I sit down in my seat to see. She approach officially, talking about, excuse me. Her lips curl up into a tight space. She don't believe that I'm in the right place. Showed her my water pass, and then she saw the gas. All embarrassed, put an extra lime on my water glass. An hour later, here she come by, walking past. I hate to be a pest, but my summer love your autograph. Wow. They stay on nigga patrol on American roads, but when you travel abroad, they got world nigga law. Some folks get on the plane, go where they please, but I go overseas and I get overseas. London Heathrow, me and my people, they think that the legals are sending them for Negro. Far away places, customs agents flagrant. They think the dog faces smuggle weight in their cases. Bags inspected, now we arrested. Attention directed to contents of our intestines. Urinalysis followed by x-rays, interrogated and detained to damn near the next day. No evidence, no apology, and no regard. Even for the big American rap star. For us especially, us most especially. And Mr. Nigga VIP jail cell, just for me. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake. Just got some shoe pop. Paint them a face. They say they want you successful, but then they make it stressful. You start keeping pace, they start changing up the tempo. Now, who is the cat riding out on the town? Stay true, but wanna stop him in his ride, pat him down. Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, he got the speakers in the trunk with the face on crunk. Now, who is the cat with the hundred dollar bill? They got the sentence in the tab to make sure the shit is real, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, 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 nigga. You can laugh and criticize Michael Jackson if you wanna. Woody Allen molested and married his stepdaughter. Same press kicking dirt on Michael's name. Show Woody and soon ye at the playoff game. Hold a hand. Now sit back and just think about that. Would he get that type of dap if his name was Woody Black? OJ found innocent by jury of his peers. And they been fucking with that nigga for the last five years. Is it fair? Is it equal? Is it just? Is it right? Do you do the same shit when the defendant faces white? And white boys doing it well in the success. 
when I start doing it well, it's suspect. Don't hate me, my folks is poor, I just got money. America's five centuries deep in cotton money. You see a lot of brothers caked up, yo, straight up. It's new, y'all living off a slave trader's paper. But I'm a lamb, though, you I'm a lamb, though. I'm putting up the big swings for my kids, yo. Got my on the back for the front crib, yo. I'ma get a damn pretty bay window. I'ma cop a nice home to abide in. A safe environment for seeds to reside in. A fresh trip for my whole family to ride in. And if I'm still Mr. Nigga, I won't find it surprising. Surprising. And even if they never said it, the lips stay sealed, the actions reveal how their hearts really feel. Most deaf, Mr. Nigger. That's what, that's what far away from um, dancing on the stage with the balloons, huh? Oh my God. If he had done that, I would have been, <laughs> that concert would have been all worth it. <laughs> I don't know where he okay, is. Though, you know, we got to see him in 98 at Maryland and we saw the genesis of rock and roll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, put put most deaf on a milk carton. Somebody please go find that brother, please. Every once in a while, he still comes out with the fire, man. Remember in 2012, after the murder of Trayvon Martin, he hooked up with Dead Prez and Mike Flo and gave us "Made You Die." Yeah, and that was fire. But again, there's a certain consciousness there, right? It's like I'm yeah. not looking to hip hop to educate me. I don't need hip hop to do that. Right. But don't make me dumber for having to you. <laughs> and what you get from most on that album, and that was his debut solo album, um, Black on Both Sides, he took it international, right? Because we're so right. short-sighted as Americans where we look at the, at the color line as being a problem in this country. When W.E.B. Du Bois said a long time ago, the color line belts the world. And he was like, you travel abroad, they got world nigga law. Oprah found that out when she went to that luxury store in Paris. And they were like, we don't care who you are. Right. And they right. tried to flex on Oprah, right? Oprah could buy that store, you know, several times over. And they flexed on her. Right. Because, you know, the melanin doesn't wash away. It's yeah, binding, right? And so most problematized all of that. And so like you were saying... Yeah, he's using the word and he used it several times in that song, but he put it in his original context to show how it still stings and how we're still treated as less than no matter our level of achievement. And that's what I'm saying. Like you said, I don't need hip hop to necessarily educate me, but it informed me Mm -hmm. as a young person. And these kids out here, regardless, hip hop is still informing them. It's just informing them about a lot of bullshit. And granted, yeah, you can go and find people who are saying uh, nuanced things, who are doing clever things, who are doing creative things with the music. But by and large, the hip hop that the mainstream is introduced to now at this point is (laughs) devoid of any type of substance. But let's see. Here's another example uh, from a tribe called Quest. Suck a nigga. Another clever take. Hey, suck a nigga, whoever you are. Hey, suck a nigga, whoever you are. Hey, suck a nigga, hey, suck a nigga, whoever you are. Whoever you are. Hey, suck a nigga, 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 
with the other baseline. I'll be hating sucker MCs and the sucker niggas. Posing like they hard when we know they damn hard. What you figure? Round wise, I do the figure eight so concisely. Musically, we are the herbs, so sit back and like me. Inhale. My style is kind of fat, reminiscent of a whale. Young girls' desires for the females' dreams. I'll be the abstract poetic representing the queens. Socially, I'm not a name. Black and white got game. If you came to the jam, well, I'm glad you came. See, nigga first was used back in the deep south. Falling out between the dome of the white man's mouth. It means that we will never grow. You know the word, dummy. Upper niggas in the community think it's crummy. But I don't. Neither does the youth, cause we am. Race adversity, it goes right with the race And being that we use it as a term of endearment Niggas start to bug to the domas where the fear went Now the little shorty say it all of the time And a whole bunch of niggas throw the word in a rhyme Yo, I start to flinch as I try not to say it But my lips is like a oop as I start to spray it My lips is like a oop as I start to spray it My lips is like a oop as I start to spray it The sucker nigga Nigga, nigga I throw the sucker in the front Throw the ones that Representing for queens Socially, I'm not a name Black and white got game If you came to the jam Well, I'm glad you came See, nigga first was used Down in the deep south Falling out between the dome Of the white man's mouth It means that we will never grow You know the word, tummy Upper niggas in the community Think it's crummy But I don't Neither does the youth Cause we am Race adversity It goes right with the race Yo, I start to flinch As I try not to say it But my lips is like a oop As I start to spray it My lips is like a oop as I start to spray it. My lips is like a oop. Yo, you know girl, that's the sucker niggas. Niggas, niggas. I throw the sucker in the front. Both the ones that fuck the sucker niggas. Nigga, nigga. I throw the suckers in the front. Both the ones that fuck the sucker niggas. Nigga, nigga. I throw the sucker in the front. Both the ones that fuck the sucker niggas. Nigga, nigga. Hey yo, Shaheen, take us the fuck out of here. that song I love because it speaks to that sort of conflict of someone who's conscious of the history of the word but still a part of this culture where the word is used in a different context amongst different people 
Yeah, you can hear Q-Tip struggling with it, right? Like, he knows it's wrong. And I think many of us who have used the word at different points in our lives and in different ways understood that it was wrong. You know, we we knew that. And you hear him say, you know, my lips is like a oop as I start to say it. Um, you know, Q-Tip is not that much older than us having been born in 1970. And his parents, our parents, are all going to be about that age. And like many of us, who ended up in places like New York or Los Angeles, our parents, we're just one generation removed from the South. Right. And our parents brought that with them. And that's not, it's not something I've ever heard my parents utter in the entirety of my life, right? Like, it's just not a part of how they embrace the world. But then, you know, you have your children, but your children go out into the street and your influence is is relegated to being their inside voice like you hope that your children hear your voice as their inside voice when they're contemplating right or wrong and you hear tip in that track you know struggling with that here's the difference though bill mars is a 61 year old white guy right so there should be no such struggle oh yeah yeah i mean there's no reason again he he wanted to be edgy. He he thought maybe he had a past. What the fallout he gets is the fallout he gets. Like I can't be worried about what white people do. <laughs> but like he like he deserves everything he's getting because you know you play with fire, <laughs> you get burned. Indeed. You know? So he deserves that. And my my whole thing is not really to to be an ice cube and give him a pass i'm just saying that i find myself less concerned with him and more concerned with hip-hop sort of abdicating its what i see is its responsibility to inform its base it's so powerful it's so powerful and you can argue i mean there's the argument to be made of is hip-hop a reflection of the culture or is it a driver of the culture and i think when we were coming up it was more so a reflection now it seems to be driving and it's driving us off a damn cliff well you you want to get off your damn lawn I'm just saying it's so that's my that's my anger with mainstream hip hop is that these these jackasses don't realize the power they're wielding when you have just millions and millions of Twitter followers and people on Instagram hanging on your word as though it came down from the heavens. And what you choose to do is tell them that uh, the earth is flat or uh, (laughs) codeine. (laughs) I'm sipping on some codeine or just just don't recognize the power that you possess. Well, well, if you know better, you do better. And a lot of a lot of them, not saying all of them, a lot of them are not educated enough to know better. And they're also making choices that they think are driven by the market, right? Like, I'm going right. to be what's going to sell. Right. Future. Who's right. I'm going to be what's going to sell. So if 
you know, we were a different type of audience. Like we wanted people to talk about our reality. Um, a lot of people, their reality sucks. And there were a lot of parts about our reality that sucked, but there was also something pretty empowering to hear young men and young women going through what we were going through and being able to talk about it. Like, yo, they're telling the truth about us. They're telling the truth about where, we from, where we're from and people need to know this. A lot of these young folks now, they're like, man, I want to be free of my problems for a while. I want to get away from something. And so they're providing them with some escapism. Yeah, escaping out of the frying pan into the fire. But your problems will be there when the track is over. So when that 3.30 is over, your problems are still there. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a different type of audience, man. Um, some yeah. of this stuff is cyclical, but other things, there are turns and contours. And right now, you know, people want feel good music. They want to bounce. And a lot of these people, they're not out here trapping, but they like trap music, right? There's an appeal to it. And even the people who are talking about trapping, even if that's what they were doing, that's not what they're doing anymore. Right. Not that they got some sense, you know, and that's one of our constant criticisms of Jay, you know, Jay pushing 50 and still talking about trapping. I'm like, yo, that was you 30 years ago. Yeah. But just recently, you know, you're up here with the Obamas and the Clintons and you're going to state dinners. Right. You know, oh, you'll yeah. probably get a, a gift for your twin daughters from the former president and the first lady. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens next week when his new album drops. <laughs> I can't. You know, I can't wait to hear it. 444 on June 30th, everyone. Yeah, I knew you'd know. <laughs> <laughs> Only on title. Only yeah. on title. <laughs> Do you have stock in that, too? Like Apple? <laughs> No, I don't have. I wish I had stock in Sprint though. But yeah. But again, um, they pay bail for people who are sitting in jail for no other reason than they couldn't afford to post bail, right? And got you know brothers home on Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. So, as as much as he does certain things, he then does other things, and this is a Nino Brown giving out turkeys in the hood and slinging dope, right? Yes. Thank you. you know, I mean, this isn't that. Mm. But no, but I, I think when you, you listen don't to Jay, when you listen to, I think when you listen to Jay, especially now, Jay has a persona of you. You know who he is. You know where he come from, and you know, to him, when he's saying some of the some of the trap style stuff that he said, because he doesn't really do a lot of it. It's it's more storytelling than anything. And they are old stories, is part of what I'm saying. Like right. And that's the problem with hip hop as a genre. We don't let artists grow up behind the mic. You know, in other in other types of music, you can grow up behind the microphone and become something different. Hip hop, it's rare that you get to do that, right? Um, so I don't think Jay is the same dude he was in 88 when he was trapping in Marcy. But see, but say that. are we going to let him make that music? And also, I mean, I look at some of the other things he's done. Like, he was big in the Khalif Browder documentary. Yeah. You know, about the mistreatment of the young brother at Rikers, who basically did all this time without a conviction because he couldn't afford bail, was victimized, traumatized. That trauma followed him beyond his confinement and he took his own life. You know, Jay helped to tell his story. 
Right. And paying the bail for those brothers to be home on Father's Day is a continuation of that work. Um, there are a lot of people doing time, not because they've been convicted of a crime, but they can't post bail. Right. But see, that's serious. That's serious work. Is it? That's is not it really, the work you undertake if you're a lane. But is it really that we don't let them age or that they don't try? Because if you are still trying to target children, then yeah, you're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to say some unsavory things. If you were growing with the audience that was rocking with you from the beginning, if you're growing with your audience, then you shouldn't have a problem. But if you're playing, but that audience you're is shrinking. Well, that audience is shrinking, right? Like if you look at millennials, the oldest millennials are in their 30s. The youngest are in their 20s. They're the largest demographic in the public. They're the largest voting demographic, even though they don't make up the largest portion of voters and they have disposable income. Our demographic, I'm not buying music like that right now. I'm buying children's shoes and pull-ups and, and wipes and all that kind of stuff, man. That's where the money's going. Right. But the Jay-Z's aren't looking for record sales to fund them. Like he's beyond the point. He's been beyond the point where he needed to be concerned about, I hope my residuals are coming in from my latest album. He's beyond that. He's at a point where he can make art for the sake of art. He can get behind that documentary. So there, so I don't buy that we haven't let him age. And so that's why he reverts back to the same stories of coming up in the project, slinging dope. Now I'm rich. I get it. I heard it. I know. No, no. I, 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 think, I think we do. I think that's exactly what we do. I think one of the things that I think he, people like his stories. People like him to tell those stories. People like to hear those stories from him. It's kind of like if you when 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger started doing comedies and people were like, "What? Well, I almost see no damn comedy." Or Arnold it's Schwarzenegger. Like I, right, I want to see him blow some shit up, and that's what people did. To, that's what people expect from Jay because when Jay made what's the album, the 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 album, the album, the album right after he retired, he came back from retirement, and he was Kingdom talking, Come kingdom come mm -hmm. and he was talking about he was talking about his girlfriend he was talking about living a fabulous life and being rich and all that nobody wanted to hear that people wanted to hear american gangster and it's the same story retold over and over again right like if i look at if i want to identify some artists who have grown and stretched it's daylight but they had to crowdsource their last project Right. Yeah, but that was a genius. That was a genius move. That's the most no, genius, the way they did it was genius in the because they tapped into the nostalgia. They gave away their old catalog, got active email addresses from people, and like, hey, you loved all that music we made. We want to make a new project. Can you help us? And they shattered their fundraising goal because the way they played it, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was genius. It was the most brilliant hustle in the history of <laughs> modern twentieth century business. Well, well, I, I think, I mean, it sounds like this new J album might be, I mean, just from the, the first snippet song that he released, it's about his father and like, you know, the first, you know, bars that you hear is him talking about, you know, the, the his pain and him trying to, you know, reconcile the thoughts that he had and write them down and 
you know, we might get an introspective kind of J. I don't know if I want it, but we might get an introspective <laughs> J on this. On this You're album. part of the problem. Hey, <laughs> I am part. I'm, I'm part of the problem. I want to hear some bangers, damn it. But I I'm, like not what saying, you- I'm not. I'm not saying I want to hear raindrop drop top, but I, I want to hear. I like what you said about Nino Brown and the turkeys because that's like you can you can do these nice things on the side, but if you're still trafficking in these negative messages and stereotypes and just bullshit, then you are. You're Nino Brown giving out turkeys, but then next week running the Carter, flooding the streets with poison. But listen, that's something he tried to address though in the documentary on the Black Album. Like, listen, right. yeah, I did those things, and just right. because I did them doesn't mean you should. If anything, it's a cautionary tale. Now, that's right. something that's been lost, right? Because when I think back to Kooji Rap, because you know right. Jay wasn't the first person talking about this, Big wasn't the first person talking about this. Kooji Rap was talking about being a mafia underling and having right. it all go wrong and being on the run. Right. And they always talked about the consequences of that behavior, right? Right. You know, right. Slick Rick on Children's Story. Like, yeah, you want to run with the big dogs and carry heat? Well, here's a story about what could happen to you. And the consequences were real. They were immediate. And it was straight and narrow where your soul gets cast. Good night. Now, though, you know, guys make it sound like they're, they're going from street dealing to being a big boss. You know, guys talk about using a triple beam scale and couldn't pass eighth grade math. <laughs> you know, shout out to Jay Live. <laughs> but you can't. So yeah, that's hard to believe. But that's that's why I see it's hurt. But see, the thing you is, know, you said you saw it in the documentary. Right. See, don't put it in the documentary. Don't put it in the side piece. The thing where you're reaching the majority of people is in the album that you release. Don't tell me I have to go download some special side thing from No, he put it on the blueprint too. But it was on the it was on the blueprint and it was on the black album. But right. No, like he he that's that's one of the things Yeah, he talks he talk he consistently talks about it. That in that way. Consistently talks about what? Not encouraging people to be dealers. He says this on H to the Izzo. Which was a party like, track, by the way. I mean, it, it, yeah, there's a whole JC. <laughs> because, I mean, I guess we'll see. What would you say it was next week? Next week. I'm not saying he's Che Guevara with bling on. <laughs> yeah. But no. there's a consciousness there that reflects more deep thought than he all than he sometimes lets us on to. I mean, and his, and his next con- movie is about Trayvon Martin. Your conscience, right. okay. Make your next album, you know, the soundtrack for that, and do something that way because you're gonna reach more people with your music. Like that's the tool. That's the main tool. And well, so he did, they, they also did that on Watch the Throne, though. Which is funny because on Watch the Throne they had like a slew of message songs yeah at least five or six message songs on the end the songs that hit were niggas in right. paris and right. and otis like it was crazy like they had a slew of message songs on that album yeah sprinkled they, amongst the no, but that's uh, every j album right that's every j album every right. j album there's something in there that's deeper more complex more reflective right but there's something but that's hits lighter and ignorant and so, 
but that was the formula going back to Def Jam. Like Run DMC would tell you, we'd have the party cut, we'd have the serious song, we'd have something with you know for the ladies. Like that was the that was the formula going back for decades. But that's fine and the, for people and, who are and, eating and the off way the we, records. And, He's not and eating the way we, off the records. And the way we got here is because of the song you just played. The sucker nigga song. Like it's the same it, that's what we're saying. Like it's it's the that's how we get back to this. It's like it's the you know, it's the medicine in the applesauce. Like, you know, I know I, I know this is bad, but this is what happened. This is what this is what you like, but this is you know, this there's also these things that's happening in the world. Right. And to Black Cloud's point, you played Mr. Nigger. That was on black on both sides. What was right. the lead single? Miss Fat Booty. Right. Right. You know, and you, you, you wouldn't hear Mr. Nigger anywhere. Yeah, you're not hearing Mr. But, Nigger. But Miss Fat Booty was on heavy rotation. Right. Then you talk about Tribe, um, you know, Sucker Niggas, Electro Relaxation was on that. Mm-hmm. Heavy rotation. Right. But yeah, if, you go, if you go to black on both sides, Miss Fat Booty doesn't represent like each you have New World Water. But it was the lead single. You have Umi Sis. Like I understand that it's that, but when you go and listen to the album, you're not seeing a theme of every other song is about uh female exploitation or no, um, and that's a reflection of who Yasin Bay is as a person. Right. Jay is a different person. Like most was a creative. He was right. breaking through and acting and entertainment before he broke through with hip hop. Mm-hmm. He was right. rolling with a different circle of heads. So at the time that most is doing acting and theater and these other things, Jay really was dealing. And that's what shaped his world. Right. So given that they walked different paths in Brooklyn, you know, th- the music that they made, especially early on, reflected something different. Now, as most grew as a creative and as a man and struggled in some ways, the music reflected those things. Whereas Jay, in some instances, stayed a little bit more guarded about the personal and responded to the market. Right. I agree. Again, if you if you opt to play the marketing game and you're just tailoring message based on what you think the mass market of consumers will uh, consume and throw dollars behind, that's fine. But don't tell me you're going to play both games. You're going to appeal to sort of this base element. And then you're also going to be uh, grandiose and expansive and uh, explore these other ideas because he's not. In large part, it's just same thing, repackaged, to a different beat we know you're very rich we know you were a hustler we know we get it we know you're rich but man that's where it gets boring but i found him to be most compelling when he's talking about other things like some of my favorite work that he did was the black album because he was being really honest about his position in the industry and he let out some some heat like when you look at 99 problems like the first verse takes on the industry Mm-hmm. and is an indictment of the industry and also letting them know that he's well aware of how they're trying to use him to advance their objectives and not necessarily his own right and that's why when when beyonce came out with formation 
I immediately went back to 99 Problems. I'm like, yo, this is like her version of 99 Problems, clapping back at all her critics, including people who criticized her husband's physical features, who criticized her daughter's hair, all sorts of things. And that Beyonce came out of, I didn't see this Beyonce coming 10 years ago when it was Bills, 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 or Soldier, <laughs> or any of that other stuff, right? She had to grow into her womanhood. Some people have a long fuse. If you look at Lemonade as a project, that was radically different from other things that she had done. She had been yeah. taking steps in that direction, you know, talking about female empowerment and things in those ways, but Lemonade was a completely and radically different project. She went from having her toe in the water to being fully submerged. And when she came up, she was a different woman. That's great for her. As for Jay-Z, as for Ice Cube, like, I don't give you a pass when you flood the market with bullshit and then you decide to sort of change your tone here and there. But then when you put out a new project, you've still got elements of the same bullshit. Ice Cube is not eating off a record. Jay-Z is not eating off a record. So I hope this new album that comes out, I hope it's introspective. I hope it's a different Jay-Z than we've seen and heard. Because if I turn it on and the first three songs, he's talking about his expensive ass watch that I can't even pronounce. I'm going to come back and find Dre. And I, I know, rewind the last discussion we had after Watch the Throne. I know. I can't take it. I can't stand it. You don't have to do this. That's what's infuriating. At the beginning, I get it. You need this money. You need it to work. You got to say what you got to say. I get it. But you're not. You're in a position, like you said, you're throwing dinners for the Obamas, Hillary Clinton. Come on, man. Come on, man. Please. Oh, you went back to the to the ESPN butters. Come oh, on, man. It's just again, I just see it. It's just so powerful. I know the impact and influence that these songs had and the music and the culture had on me when I was coming up. And it was there was two live crew. There was NWA, Ghetto Boys, there was Public Enemy, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was so influential. So much mm -hmm. was being taught and told. And again, if you don't know any better, you're not going to say any better. You know, future and young thug, they don't know shit. So how can they say shit? Daddy-o knew some things. Chuck D knew some things. And put it out there. And it, I mean, it just impacted me on such a level that when I hear people just acting like hip-hop is some disposable let me shake my ass bullshit that has no weight and authority and influence it just infuriates me and I know we had booty songs and all that back then but booty butt cheeks <laughs> booty butt cheeks but we booty also butt cheeks. <laughs> we also had this right here Time is blow your mind, time to say it's nothing worse than a verse to hear some nigga curse. They call me rude, some dudes, fiery attitude, claiming I boast. Smoke, sometimes sing the blues. Twain metal is settle, try to never backpedal. Gonna pile some got to get a nigga shot. You're not in border, I avoid, I test the paranoid. I never had to be bad, my mama raised me mad. So what I got is hot, love my life a lot. I'm never sad, just glad, that's why I thank my dad. Nah, I ain't with this. But watch out, watch out. 
Anti-nigger machine got a message that uh black cloud east coast dre his phone is about to die i want one percent going down <laughs> i'm on one percent he's on one percent you should Tim be Cook, a- fix this nonsense man i need to be able to charge and talk at the same time i would have at least expected you to be at five percent yeah man. <laughs> wow <laughs> He just made a Clarence Thirteen X joke. Oh man! Well, I like that one. I think we, I think we got into this subject uh, as much as much as it's possible on theliberator.com. I'm going to post some clips that I found of uh, Oprah talking about how she knows she's never going to win the battle against uh, people using the word nigger, and she's told that to Jay Z, and they've had discussions. Chris Rock has an interesting take that I'll post that up there too. Yeah, see if you can see if you can find a Richard Pryor joint, man, because Richard oh. Pryor divorced himself from it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know, you know, I got that. You know. Oh, and um, your man Cube is on Mars show because he's he's promoting the Big Three League because they start this month. Wow. There the three we on go. Three basketball league, so that's why he's on there. See. It's always it's always some agenda it's always an agenda but uh hey. yeah um you know this definitely is a discussion that'll go on but just because of what happened in cube and all that nonsense i figured we'd pull it up and uh yeah dre i know that you've uh are you, are you? Yeah. Is he going? I'm just. I'm just. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for it to die. You better click on. <laughs> he's, click on he's low power mode. Giving you. It's only he's actually giving you 100. percent Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm giving you 100. percent It's been on low power mode for a long time. I'm just going with it. All right. Well, the two. We've got the uh, two minute 30 second clip of uh, Richard Pryor divorcing himself from it, and or we've got the last poets, which we want to. Uh, go out on last poets die nigger or richard pryor on the n-word all of this I will say, go ahead i say richard pryor richard pryor what do you get okay 
Richard Pryor it is. If we come back from this two-minute, 37-second clip and Black Cloud is no longer with us, we'll pour out a little liquor. Peace. <laughs> One thing I got out of it was magic I'd like to share with you, you know, it's like I was leaving and I was sitting in the hotel and a voice said to me, he said, look around, what do you see? And I said, I see all colors of people doing everything, you know, and the voice said, do you see any niggas? And I said, no. And I said, you know why? Because there aren't any. And it hit me. Like a shot, man. I started crying and shit. I was sitting there. I said, yeah, I've been here three weeks. I haven't even said it. I haven't even thought it. And it made me say, oh, my God, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I got to regroup my shit. I mean, I said, I ain't going to never call another black man a nigga. <laughs> you know, because we never was no niggas. That's a word that's used to describe our own wretchedness. And we perpetuate it now, cause it's dead. That word's dead, we men and women, we come from, we come from the first people on the earth. <laughs> you know, the first people on the earth were black people. Cause anthropologists, white anthropologists. So the white people go, that could be true, you know. Yeah, Dr. Leakey and them found people remains five million years ago in Africa. You know them motherfuckers didn't speak French. <laughs> so black people, we the first people had thought, right? We the first one to say, where the fuck am I? <laughs> and how do you get to Detroit? So you can take it for what it's worth. I know, like, I ain't trying to preach nothing over. I'm just talking about my feelings about it. And I don't want them hip white people coming up to me, calling me no nigger, or telling me nigger jokes. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's uncomfortable to me. I don't like it when black people say it to me. I really don't no more. It's nothing. It don't mean nothing. So I love y'all, and you take that with you. I guess y'all say <laughs> Any thoughts of Black Cloud before you hit zero? He's gone. We lost him. Yeah, that's a wrap. But it's funny how he said, you hip white people, I don't want you saying it either. <laughs> no joke. Tried to tell us in 1979. Word. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, man. So I guess when we reconvene next, um, it will be the opening playing round of the battle log and that's going to require some uh discussion on our part because we're trying to come up with a uh a more structured point system so that we can kind of post and accurately determine uh who wins each matchup so still getting to work on that um appreciate you taking the time and uh yeah always a good thing always a good time um, i'm gonna pay for it in the morning but it's always fun yeah i heard that i heard that so i will catch up with you 
on the next uh, episode. Thank you, and I'm going to send this out with the last poets. Walking down 42nd Street. Heard some white folks talking. Had a riot yesterday. Ten niggas died. Died, nigga. Say what? Ten niggas died. Yeah, died, nigga. Went down to Whitehall Street. Heard a sergeant reporting lots of niggas dying in Vietnam. Died, nigga. Died, nigga. Nigga died. Had to get away from niggas. Dying all the time. Went back up to Harlem. Heard a school teacher say, niggas sure are dumb. Almost like they're dead. Dying, nigga, everywhere you go, niggas dying. Niggas been dying for 400 years. Niggas dying with conked heads. Niggas dying in Ivy League suits. Niggas know how to die. Been dying for 400 years. Been practicing how to die. Niggas dying in prisons. Niggas dying on farms. Niggas dying in dirty rooms. Even learned how to die in mansions now. Big office buildings. Fancy dying. Niggas love dying. Build big funeral homes so dead nigga undertakers get rich burying dying niggas. Die, nigga. Niggas always trying to die. Niggas get shot. Die, nigga. Niggas get hung. Die, nigga. Niggas get lynched. Die, nigga. Niggas get tarred and feathered. Niggas get boiled in oil. Niggas get carried out of their own homes. Niggas watch their wives get raped. Watch their babies get stomped. Then niggas watch some redneck hunky stand over them and laugh. Laughing, talking about dying, nigga. Actually laughing. Wine bottle in his hand, cigar in his mouth. Laughing, talking about dying, nigga. Well, go on and die, nigga. You've been dying for 400 years. Niggas know how to die. Niggas don't know nothing else but dying. Niggas dream about dying. Niggas plan beautiful lives for when they're dead. Die, nigga. Nigga preachers tell niggas about heaven. Got to die first. Die, nigga. Niggas love dying. Niggas watch dying on TV. They love it. Niggas watch other niggas die. They love it. Niggas watched Emmett Till die. Niggas watched Mac Parker die. Niggas watched James Cheney die. Niggas watch Bobby Hutton die. Niggas watch Mega Evers die. Niggas watch niggas die. Niggas watch niggas die. Niggas 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 die. Niggas die. Niggas die. So black folks can take over.
Hey, what's up? It's Jay, back again. Uh, with a sad note, we recorded this episode of the podcast on June 19th, and on June 20th, the hip-hop world received the news that Prodigy, half of Mob Deep, had passed away, reportedly due to complications related to his sickle cell. And I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge his passing, say a few words, and I'm sure this is a subject we'll get deeper into on future podcasts, but I think Mob Deep is one of those quintessential groups that gets overlooked. Um... We talk about Biggie, we talk about Nas, we talk about Wu-Tang, when we talk about 90s East Coast hip-hop, but I think that for me, the infamous Mob Deep album is definitely in my top 10, and in terms of albums that paint a picture of a moment in time anyone who ever asked me about 90s hip-hop especially in new york um i was out there at the time mid late 90s and the infamous along with smith and wesson's the shining black moon into the stage and of course illmatic those albums for me Paint the picture, tell the story of what New York was like in terms of hip-hop back then. And unfortunately, we've lost just a legendary figure. And not legendary in the sense of a Uh, Tupac or a Biggie where he contributed to changing uh, the culture or changing bringing hip hop to other audiences but we've lost someone similar to Guru from Gangstar someone whose contribution to the music laid a foundation upon which other artists were able to jump off into other areas and explore new sounds new styles but when you look back and especially as older heads when we look back and say no this is hip hop this is what it should be. This is what it is. When we have to give examples to say, oh, our music back then is better than what you have today, we can throw down on the table Illmatic into the stage. Red Man, there is a dark side. We can throw down 
any number of albums, but one that we would throw down to sort of trump all the others is the infamous Mob Deep. And between the production, the lyricism, it's just, it's in that league of albums that are almost perfect. And of course, I've heard a lot of DJ mixes and tributes to Prodigy. And, you know, lyrically, he didn't stray from his narrow lane. And I know that's what I criticized Jay-Z for earlier in the podcast. But Prodigy was a certain type of rapper with a certain focus and style. He made no bones about it. He didn't necessarily evolve in terms of his subject matter or his lyrical content but what he gave you was exactly what you would come to expect and for the most part exactly what you wanted when you turned on put on a mob deep album you knew what you were going to get you weren't going to get positivity and upliftment you were going to get gritty, grimy, raw, street, hardcore hip-hop. Period. And though they did have other, other music, other successes, the infamous still stands alone as their masterpiece. And that's the great thing about art, is that the art survives even when the artist is gone so just want to acknowledge the passing of Prodigy and I'm going to take this out with a song that he did with from an album uh and I don't have it here this is sort of a quick thing but I was listening to it earlier an album he did not too long ago with Alchemist and it's entitled Albert Einstein I believe I'm, now I'm going to have to uh, look it up because I don't want to leave this out there with a lot of incomplete information Prodigy Alchemist Albert Einstein yeah that was the name of the album and it was released in 2013 and the song I'm going to play is Raw Forever if you haven't picked up the album uh you should definitely do it. It's it's sort of prodigy in all his mob deep glory uh, behind some pretty outstanding beats by the Alchemist. And one thing I did notice as I was looking up this information is that uh, last night there was Uh, They held the BET Awards. And I didn't watch it. 
but apparently they had a tribute to Prodigy. And a little while ago, uh, Master P put up a post on Instagram basically saying that the truth hurts. BT would never have changed their show for Prodigy if he was still alive. It was a great thing acknowledging and celebrating the life of Prodigy and all of his accomplishments, but it's a shame that none of these artists are told how great they are while they're still alive. Why can't they get their flowers and tokens of appreciation while they're still living? I know the truth hurts, I just have one serious question. Was Prodigy or Mob Deep on BET's radar last week? Were they invited to the red carpet event, offered guest passes, or an invite to perform at the award show in the last 10 years? I'm willing to bet the answer is no. I love my people and I support them, but we really need to do better by each other. We lost a very talented brother, Prodigy. I send my condolences to his family. Hopefully, one day we can start appreciating the talented sisters and brothers while they're still alive. I know what I'm saying may ruffle a few feathers, but the truth needed to be heard. And I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think I mentioned, maybe back when we did the uh, Fifeography podcast, that we are getting to a point, especially as older hip-hop heads, where when you get a chance to see these older groups come through your town and perform, you should go. Because, you know, you never know if you'll get another opportunity to see them, what may may happen. And, you know, if you grew up on the music, if the music meant something to you, then... You know, you're going to want to see these acts. So, all right, I need to finish up this podcast editing, get this out here. But again, rest in peace, Prodigy. We're going to go out right here with Raw Forever from the Albert Einstein Alchemist Prodigy Project. Peace. Swag box, let the jammy pop One in your derriere, nigga very scared Or the repercussions, the reaction At that bullshit they trying to pull I'm laughing, I'm so high as fuck Feel like I'm in space Cause my airplane get up and get me there safe For the money I bounce around the earth A few hundred thousand put me straight for the summer A few more of those and my balance looking nice Make a phone call to Dutch Tell them meet me at the lab, it's time Great news, good drink Strong smoke, pretty hoes, big bank 
I'm living this life forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put that on there, son. Put that on there. Yes. Great music, good drinks, strong smoke, pretty hoes, big bank. I'm living this life forever. I'm living this life forever. Black bandana, all tatted up. I don't need jewelry, my presence enough. Yeah, we bad as fuck. Living this life forever and ever and ever and ever. Before I brag about it, I really got it. I really do it. I really shot it. So-called thugs are talking that tough shit. You wouldn't kill a verse, stop it. You bugging, OPP, bad bitches on deck. She wanna fuck, I give her all of this infamous New York dopeness. I'm crispy and flea, you can still see the crease on my Armani team. Risk game serious, sitting on the train, couple stops, I'm a New Yorker. I do things when unpack get home, we turn it more up, get your dumb ass hit. You blocking the tour bus, and we burning all of this cat piss, good shit, living our dreams, infamous war bucks. All of this blood money, A slice in my pocket, A bill in the country. Now check me, great news, good drinks, yeah, yeah. Strong smoke, pretty hoes, big bank, I think. I'm living this life forever. Listen, great music, good drinks, strong smoke, pretty hoes, big bank. I'm living this life forever. I'm living this life forever. Black bandana, all tatted up I don't need jewelry, my presence enough Yeah, we bad as fuck Living this life forever And ever, and ever, and ever Very pretty theory, Doctor But I don't quite see how you can take a thought out of a man's head No, it is, man It is what it is, man It is what it is Yeah Damn, ain't no loyalty, fuck am I supposed to do? I got a name brand to uphold and make moves I gotta go super hard, stay stupid fresh Stay away from dumb niggas, they just make a mess Keep your books clean, nigga, pay the IRS That's how you keep your house clean, that's how your life is That's how you keep your car clean, you just nasty Get your shit together, holler back at me In another 300,000 days In other words, please stay the fuck from out my face Provoking me to turn into a monster You pushing me into a corner You know what's going current Man, I'll be sitting in the chopper Blowing hella smoke I can see far ahead like the telescope I knew this day had come My revelation told Keep the thing real close Cause you never know Keep the thing real close Cause you never know I keep the thing real close cause you never know. Is it real fast?